You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. So this is going to be another On This Day in History episode. This is from one year as a year ago. Uh, this is going to be a look at the Packers matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. I think this was, well, obviously the November 24th. This game was played on November 25th, so it was the day before the game. Um, and it's just sort of a general breakdown. Again, I, I really like this, being able to go back and just kind of look at kind of what the state of mind was at the time. And I, I know we got a, a Packer game, so... Um, you know, the, the timing of this, I, I kind of wanted to release it early enough that you could listen to it if you were interested. If not, you know, just catch it the next day or whatever the case may be. I, I, I want to put it out there for anyone interested. If not, it doesn't matter. Just let it pass you by. It's another benefit of doing this. It doesn't hurt anything. I mean, just don't listen if you don't want to. But it is going to be a breakdown of the Packers and Vikings. Obviously, last year, both teams were a little bit um, not exactly what they are this year. So we'll take a break and uh, we'll give you that one. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So today we're going to have a conversation about the Minnesota Vikings, kind of take a look at what exactly is going on with that team. Not just a snapshot in time, but kind of trace them out to see, uh, you know, we know kind of overall what they've been, but where are they come Sunday? Kind of look at the individual parts and pieces and um, see what we can figure out as far as can we beat them, should we beat them, etc., etc. Before we get there, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you would like to support the podcast. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. That's where I go before I start my podcast just to see what's going on out there. Make sure I'm not missing anything before I get started. Sometimes I do anyways, but that's not my fault, man. People should be writing articles about it, and then I wouldn't miss it. I'm just saying. It would be greatly appreciated if you jump in. The Facebook group link is in the description. Finally, NFLBigBoard.com for all of your NFL draft needs. That's not entirely true, but it should absolutely be your first stop. It's time to start really digging into some of these prospects. Um, I kind of, I'm to the point where I know the names now but I need to start forming my own opinions. I know what everybody else thinks, but i got to start forming my own. I've got a couple because I've watched a few things here and there, but um, it's time to start laying it out, watching a little bit, and kind of getting my own amateurish opinion on some stuff just so I can converse a little bit. And NFLBigBoard.com makes that pretty simple. 
You can organize by uh, player, by school, by position. And that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick a position, maybe edge rusher or whatever, and just watch a little bit. You know, watch the highlights just to get an idea what it is they do best. You know, is it a speed rusher? Is it just a power guy? Is it whatever? Then go watch a couple things on YouTube, which, by the way, if you don't know how, just type in their name, verse, and then just hit enter, and then you'll see so-and-so versus Clemson, so-and-so versus Alabama, so-and-so versus Toledo, whatever. And you just watch them. And you will be disappointed because you just got done watching highlights and you're like, this guy can't be stopped. And then you're going to watch him play and he's just going to get stopped over and over and over and over again. And will maybe get one sack in that game. So, again, that's the way I like to do it. Because otherwise I just watch it and I say they're just garbage outright. And I need at least something to, to bite into and be like, okay, is he good at anything? But it's fun. If you got nothing to do, it's a fun little exercise. And um, I tell you what, ever since I started getting into the draft, I am literally as excited about the draft as I am about the football season. I've become a fanatic about it. It's kind of like fantasy football, man. Once you start, you're hooked. So if you're not in it yet, I would encourage you to give it a shot. Just play around. You can always go on Google afterwards and uh, just type in draft profile or whatever after their name and you'll get a bunch of, you know, Walter Football, the Draft Network, all this stuff. They'll give you their opinion of what they do best and all that kind of stuff. It's fun to poke around. And then as you watch a Packer game, you start saying to yourself things like, boy, oh boy, I would really like if Josh Allen was on this team or whatever. Dig in a little more, maybe saying to yourself things like, boy, oh boy, it'd be cool if Darnell Savage fell to us in the third round or something. Guys look pretty clutch over there in Maryland. You know, whatever. I'm just saying. These things just start to to fall off your, your tongue. He actually could be later than the third anyways, but I'm just saying. It would be cool if you'd check it out. And speaking of, um, I'm going to do my absolute best. I want to get a, uh, a draft video up. I have a, a draft YouTube channel. I haven't really touched it since, I don't know, several months ago when I made a video and didn't get too much traction. But now we're kind of in the midst of it, so I want to try to get that done today. And I will be sure to get that information to you tomorrow if I do get it done. I've got the mock draft done with. It's just the video takes forever to make. Anyways, let's talk Minnesota Vikings. First off, let's look at Football Outsiders and their DVOA rankings just to give you an idea of what they have to say. Currently, they have the Minnesota Vikings offense at 17th, and they seem to think that that's pretty consistent. They're currently 17th. Last week, they were 17th, and they're weighted offensive ranking, which means looking later in the season as a, you know, weighting the the later half of the season as opposed to the earlier parts of the season, still 17th. So they've been pretty consistent. Breaking it down a little further for them, they have them ranked 15th as a passing offense, 32nd as a rushing offense. In other words, they have the dead last in running the football, which is awesome because they invested a lot in Dalvin Cook, um, and it just hasn't exactly been what they wanted it to be. And I'm not even necessarily saying he's bad. I don't know. I haven't really watched him very often. I, I mean, look, you can blame it on the offensive line if that's what Vikings fans are trying to do, but I would point them over to Seattle who also has a terrible offensive line and is able to get lesser talented running backs to do a lot more than Dalvin Cook has been doing. And um, so, I don't know, just saying. But as a Packer fan, it's an awesome thing because they do have quite a bit of talent through the air. You know, some questions about their quarterback. But if they had an offensive line and a run game, it would be pretty frightening to play the Minnesota Vikings, which, by the way, is something to keep in mind as they continue to build. Dalvin Cook does have talent. They have the wide receivers. Their quarterback can be above average at times when he's not being below average, you know. 
But if they can just fix the offensive line or make it better and suddenly that you know, helps the passing game, keeps Cousins upright a little longer, and suddenly they have a you know, moderately decent run game, could be a little bit frightening. Just saying, just throwing that out there. I mentioned yesterday who has upward mobility. That would be one area where the Vikings could uh, substantially improve is to get a run game going. Looking at their defense, um, they do seem to think there has been some improvement. They're currently ranked 5th. Last week they were ranked 7th, and if they're if you look at their weighted defense, they're also ranked 5th. Uh, that's something, as we switch over to pro football focus, um, is definitely correct. And in fact, as we dig into it, one thing we're going to find, let's just go over there now, it's actually, a lot of it has to do with their run defense really turning a corner. But if we look at the overall, according to Pro Football Focus, and I, I kind of mentioned the NFC North is up for grabs and they don't have a dominant team, but that doesn't mean they don't have good teams. If you look at uh, the rankings right now, the Chicago Bears are tied for fourth overall. The Green Bay Packers, they have graded seventh overall and the Vikings eighth overall. So maybe the difference between the divisions is the other divisions largely have dominant teams, with the exception of the NFC East which is kind of like the NFC North, where they're all kind of equal, but they're all equally garbage. But, for example, in the NFC West, you have the Rams that dominate, and then everybody else. And then in the South, you have the Saints that dominate, and then kind of everybody else. In the North, it kind of looks like the Bears are dominating, and I guess maybe a little bit. But um, you've, you've really just got three teams that are pretty close in contention. And to be completely honest, and I'm, I'm not trying to just knock the Bears, they're doing good stuff, but you have the Packers that are nipping at the Bears' heels, at least in, in terms of, of grade. They have a lot of stuff that isn't great. Obviously, the record isn't very close. But they're just just—they're not performing optimally. And I would say the same about the Vikings. We've seen their capabilities last year. This is not their top end. So if you had the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears all playing at their best, it would be kind of ridiculous. And I do think the Bears would be third. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be close. Their defense is really good. But, I mean, the, the Vikings and the Packers' offense... Um, I mean, the, the Vikings would, would be better than the Bears because their defense is close to as good as the Bears. You know, if, if you had the 27 Vikings off defense, it's not too much worse than the Bears, but the offense just dwarfs the Bears' offense. And then the Packers' offense would be better than both of them with, you know, not quite as good of a defense, obviously. Anyways, irrelevant. I just thought that was kind of interesting to see that they had three of the four NFC North teams in the top ten. Uh, defensively at this point the Vikings are up to third now they've been climbing quite a bit because I know earlier in the season they just were not much of a factor but again we have two very talented teams in the NFC North where you have the number one defensive team the Chicago Bears number three is the Minnesota Vikings and even the Packers at 16th that's basically three in the top half offensively however it's pretty much the Packers and then everybody else the next best offensive football team is the Minnesota Vikings currently graded as 11th the Bears 22nd and where are the Lions at? 14th. So, that I mean, that really is the... I know we're not talking about the Bears, but that is the biggest issue with the Bears. They don't have a very good offense. It's it's creative, and they can make cool stuff happen. It's just, it's not that great. But overall, I mean, if you're looking at the grades for the Vikings, that's not bad. They're, they're very nearly top 10 offense and uh, top 3 defense. Uh, PFF also does agree with uh, Football Outsiders. They have their rush, rushing offense 30th, so it's not dead last, but they also definitely agree that their ability to run the football is pretty abysmal. And the interesting thing to note here is that they actually split it up between run and run blocking. Now, the run blocking is pretty terrible, 26th. The Packers, by the way, are 23rd, so it's all Aaron Jones, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know that, which you should have. But 26th 
if you didn't know, is higher than 30th. So although they have terrible run blocking, the actual run grade itself, which is on the running backs themselves, is even lower. So they're looking dead at Dalvin Cook and the rest of that running back group and just saying these guys are not very good. And if I may interject, because we're kind of doing a breakdown slash game plan in the same day, this is very good for the Packers. The Packers are a better coverage unit than they have been against the run, right? I, I don't exactly understand how that happens, but especially with Mike Daniels out, stopping the run has been and will continue to probably be an issue for this team. With the Vikings' inability to do so, and with Kenny Clark in the middle, it still gives us a lot of you know ability to you know stuff up the middle. This is going to give Mike Pettin the ability to do what Mike Pettin already has been wanting to do, which is to focus on stopping the pass. So that's one thing that's kind of going in our favor right now, despite the Vikings being a pretty talented team and their defense kind of stepping up and all this, which isn't great. The fact that the Packers are better at stopping the pass and not very good at stopping the run kind of fits nicely with what the uh, Vikings offense is capable of doing. As a passing offense, however, the Vikings are ranked 8th. Packers, by the way, are ranked 4th. I'm guessing that's almost entirely because of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um the rookies and Cobb and Allison not providing very much. But they, they have the ability to throw the ball, and this is really going to be the, the crux of it, and we'll kind of get into specifics. But more or less, the Vikings win when the offense is playing pretty well, and they lose when the offense is just playing like garbage. So if the offense is clicking, it's going to be tough to beat them. If they're playing like they don't want to win, we got a shot. I'm not going to say we we win because a lot, half the time when the other team is playing like they don't want to win, the Packers are just like, no, 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 we don't really want to win either. You go ahead. But that's kind of a big deal. Another big benefit for this team is the worst offensive stat, at least, that they have, maybe the worst overall that they have, is pass blocking. Uh, the, again, the offensive line is terrible. They can't run block. They can't pass block. They can't run the football. They're good at passing because their quarterback has some ability and their wide receivers are playing out of their minds, especially Thielen. But this is another area where this is, at least it was, I don't know if it still is, the number one pass rushing unit going up against the second worst pass blocking unit in the NFL. There's a lot of opportunities for Sackrell, for Kenny Clark, for whoever, Dean Lowry, Clay Matthews, if he decides he wants to play today, you know, take a take a break from his vacation. Whoever it is that wants to come in and mix it up, by all means. If you, I mean, Oren Burks hasn't contributed anything. If anything, let's just put him in there and have him blitz up the middle. He's got speed. At least let's just let him run really fast in a straight line, see if he can handle that. Packers, by the way, number one pass blocking unit. Bears, by the way, number two pass blocking unit. Lions, number eight pass blocking unit. It's, it's pretty much any category. You've got two or three NFC North teams that are in the top ten. So it this is a pretty tough... I mean, the Lions are who cares, but... I don't know. I got I got a little bit of NFC North pride going on right now. Um, breaking down the defense a little bit, um, the Minnesota Vikings currently have the number one run defense, which is really, as I said, this is the issue in which the Vikings have turned it around. Their defense was kind of not great the first half of the year. have gotten much better. The thing that correlates almost exactly to that is their run defense. That's something that's really stepped up, and they're currently graded um, over the season right now, number two overall. The Bears are number one, obviously. And the Lions are 10th, especially now that they have Snacks, Harrison, and all that. So again, three top 10 teams in run defense. Um, tackling grade, Vikings again are second. This is another area where they've gotten much better overall. I kind of wonder if they are, if Pro Football Focus also grades uh, more heavily toward the end of the year, because these are both grades that they were not very good in, in the beginning of the year. That'd be kind of interesting to find out. 
But tackling, they are number, or actually they're tied for number one. Lions are fourth. I'm almost positive they're they're slanting this because I'm pretty sure they were one of the worst in the NFL. And the Bears are 11th. So again, pretty close. Uh, Packers are still 21st. It's an area that they were terrible terrible in early in the season. And I said this is kind of a good embodiment of what our team is, which is just lacking discipline. Tackling is just fundamentals. It's just basic discipline type stuff. So when you have a team that's very good at tackling, you, you kind of got a team that's at least fundamentally sound. You know, the Lions, not necessarily a lot of talent, but they've got the fundamentals down at least. Pass rush, shockingly, the Packers are the only top 10 team. The Bears are actually 11th. Minnesota Vikings are 17th, so they're not terrible, but they just don't really have a lot going on as far as pass rush. I mean, they've got a stout front, but in terms of being able to, you know, get off their blocks and get after the quarterbacks, you know, not exactly what they would want it to be. Finally, coverage, once again, three top 10 teams. The Bears are number one, the the Packers are ninth, and the Vikings are 10th. So another area where NFC North just reigns supreme, and how exciting is it that the Packers are even in the conversation? But um, it's also another area where the Vikings have improved. This was an area where early in the season I said we can pick them apart, and I wasn't wrong. Their, their week one performance and coverage was horrible. Against us, it was barely average. Against the Bills, it was barely average. Against the Rams, it was abysmal. Against the Eagles, it was below average. Those are the first five weeks. The first five weeks, this defense was just horrible. Horrible. Since then, though, it's just been dominant. Now, granted, they played the Cardinals, they played the Jets, they played the Lions, but they also played the Bears and the Saints. Against the Saints, the run defense was still solid, the tackling was still solid, coverage wasn't great. Coverage is the one area that's exploitable. It's gotten better in the second half of the year, but it's really just predicated on two games against the Cardinals and against the uh, Bears. Those are really the only two good games that they've had all year in coverage. So I'm still not buying into it. I know Vikings fans get really upset when you say their coverage isn't great. I got into a big argument several weeks ago where I was just giving the pro football focus grades and I was ranking like who the top corners were. And they were like, oh, you're so biased. I'm like, I'm not biased. I'm just reading it. And I gave the Bears corners a ton of credit because they're awesome. And I gave Jair, I also put Jair in the mix because he was in the mix. And they were all upset because, oh, you don't even list the Vikings. It's like, your your corners are trash, man. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Oh, he was a pro bowler last year. So what? <laughs> he's not good. Well, that's because he's injured. Well, yeah. So he's not good, right? I mean, what what are we even arguing about here? But again, looking at the trends, the run defense is the biggest thing. I mean, they had one really good game against the 49ers. They had some mediocre kind of games, but they haven't had a single bad game since week six. They've just been on point there. Their tackling grade since week eight has been on point. Their coverage grade, they've had at least... I mean, they, they really haven't had one below-average game. They had two prior to Week 5, so it's it's at least trending up since Week 6. The only other real things that I can look at as far as trends, you could maybe make the argument that their ability to run has also gotten better since Week 6, but really it's just, I think, that, I mean, the last two weeks have been horrible. Actually, their worst game was last week against the Bears. But there was a three-game stretch in Week 6 where they were, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, good, which are the only three games that they were good. But it was the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Saints. None of those teams have any ability to stop the run. So I'm not going to necessarily look that look at that as a trend upward. Um, it's just they had a three-game stretch where they weren't terrible, and then they went back to being terrible against the Lions and the Bears, which are both pretty good run defense units, especially the Bears, when they just got annihilated. Now, that might be another uptick against the Packers because it's the Packers, and we don't have a very good ability to stop the run. But it won't be because they're getting better against the run. It's just because, you know, it's the Packers. 
Uh, the only other noticeable dip or, or, or change would be the passing offense, which seems to have gotten worse since week six. So they had a good game against the Saints. There's no question that was uh, their second best game of the year. Against the Lions wasn't terrible. But against the Cardinals, against the Jets, and against the Bears were their three of their four worst games. So uh, they, they were solid through week five. So just as their defense takes off, their offense decides they don't know how to throw a football anymore. So I, what, what, what exactly happened after week five? I don't even know. I mean, there was just like a line. If you look at weeks one through five, their offense was definitely better than their defense. They, they, were, they were throwing the ball really well. Um, their pass blocking was good the first two weeks. Their best three receiving games came in weeks four, five, and two. But then come week six, this magical weird week, it's not, it wasn't a bye week. Their bye week came much later. Suddenly their defense is solid and they can't throw a football. It's very weird. But that'll be interesting to monitor because even against the Bears, against the Jets, against the Cardinals, they did not do very well. Against the Lions and against the Saints, they did fine. So our ability to stop them from throwing the football could be pretty huge because they're not very good at running it, and if they can't throw it, they're going to have a hard time beating the Packers, even at home, even against the Packers, because you got to be able to do something. And by the way, the Lions and the Saints, the Lions are 31st in coverage, the Saints are 20th in coverage, the Packers are 9th. So the idea that, well, they have a bad defense, but so do we, nah. And I'm also not really buying it if you're saying Kevin King is sort of the linchpin of this defense. I'm just, I'm just not. I think the majority of the credit goes to Mike Pettin, secondarily goes to Jair Alexander, and then beyond that is just young guys stepping up, Tony Brown, um, you got Josh Jackson making plays on occasion, you got a, a good bunch of, of blitzes that are getting home to the quarterback, so, you know, this isn't anything new or profound, but it really just matters what team shows up. And it's kind of that way for, for both. I mean, if, if the Vikings' defense continues to dominate, but they can have an offense similar to they had earlier in the season, especially at home, there's a real good chance they beat the Packers in pretty handily. If this is sort of the, you know, Vikings can't play offense kind of team going up against the Packers, whose offense is actually clicking, and the defense can, you know, cover their receivers and whatnot, the Packers are going to run away with it. So it's kind of just who decides to show up. And if both teams show up or if both teams fall off, it's just it's up in the air and I'm not even going to bother to try to guess because who cares? We haven't really seen it all year, so how would I know? Uh, looking at the Vikings players specifically, they only have one elite offensive player and that is Mr. Adam Thielen. We'll get into specifics about how to cover who and, and what to do about all this stuff a little later, but uh, right now it's Adam Thielen and everybody else. The two guys that are technically in the very good category would be Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs. And by the way, very good is just 80s, and they're both uh, they're 80 and 81. So it's a, it's a pretty big drop-off from Adam Thielen, who's 90, drops all the way down to 81 for Cousins and 80 for Stephon Diggs. But the three best players are the quarterback and the two wide receivers. There really isn't anybody else that's worth even talking about. Um, Latavius Murray is a better running back than Dalvin Cook, although they'll probably play Dalvin Cook more than Latavius Murray, which will work to our benefit. The one thing that's really, really going to upset me is the fact that they picked up Amir Abdullah, who's a guy that I wanted the Packers to pick up because he's a good receiving back. Seems like they're mostly using him on special teams, but they did ease him into the offense, and on short notice, it's hard to learn the offense, but they used him in one pass play, and he had a very good grade because, again, that's just his whole thing. So we'll see. Hopefully he doesn't really understand the offense and is just not very good, and we don't have to see him, and we're just, they're stuck with their two below-average running backs. The other thing I just do not understand is why they continue to stick with Laquan Treadwell. Um, he is 
as best as I can tell, still their number three wide receiver. They do have other options. Um, Aldrick Robinson seems to be a pretty good option as far as his grade is concerned. He's the fifth best player. The fourth best graded player is Brandon Zilstra, who has hardly had any snaps. But again, limited sample size being as good as it is. How about giving him a couple other tries? I don't know. Chad Beebe is hurt, so he's probably not playing, but he was graded higher. Pretty much everybody, they got a bunch of wide receivers that are graded out at least above average, but Laquan Treadwell seems to be the guy. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why that would be. But pretty awesome. Just like last time we played them, he was a massive liability. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, we should have won that game because Vikings probably would have ran away with that game if Laquan Treadwell didn't drop 17 passes against the Packers, being... um, it obviously wasn't actually 17, but still, it was a ridiculous amount. Looking at their defense, it's all kind of about their uh, their safeties right now. If you want to talk about coverage, I'm still not super impressed with the guys that they have, despite Vikings fans thinking they have the best corners on the planet. However, if you want to look at where their coverage is pretty dominant, you just look at their safeties. Harrison Smith, uh, last year, I think, was the number one safety in the NFL. He's not nearly as good as he was last year. However, Mr. Anthony Harris, who was just kind of a meh player for about three years, suddenly is dominating and is the second highest graded safety in the NFL. So they've got their free safety, Harris, who's just playing out of his mind. You've got Harrison Smith, who's a very good, strong safety. At cornerback, um, I mean, t- to be honest, they're, they're similar to the Bears' corners, just at a much lesser degree. They're all pretty... They, they don't have anybody that's just horrible, but they're all just kind of average. The highest grade Xavier Rhodes has ever had is 73.8. That's good. It's not elite. It's not very good. It's good. That's the highest grade he's ever had. Average, 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 good, good, average. And barely good at that. That's Xavier Rhodes. That's this great cornerback that they have and have had for a long time. Trey Waynes. What are his grades? 68, 63, 66, 68. He's never even been good. He's not. He's he's above average. High 60s I call above average. And then when you get into the 70s, I'll call you good. That's sort of how I run that. So above average, average above average, above average. But he's just, he's not good. Mackenzie Alexander, 2016 was trash. 2017 was bad. 2016, above average. He's moving up, but he's still just kind of meh. 60s, all three of them, 60s, just kind of mediocre. Now, fortunately for them, the Packers wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams, who's absolutely going to destroy whoever they're, they've got here, they have a pretty good chance. Here's, here's kind of the biggest issue, though. If we don't have Cobb and Allison, and we got our rookies and we have Devontae, if they decide to double up Devontae Adams, for example, if they have Xavier Rhodes and Mr. Anthony Harris here covering up Devontae, that's going to put it on our rookies, Marquez and EQ, to beat Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes. They're not very good corners, but they're probably good enough to beat them. So this is a situation where it might be kind of tough for our offense to get going. We've got a good run game, and I know every single week you can just you know exactly what the quote-unquote experts as well as the fans are going to say. We got to run the ball more. It has nothing to do with actual strategy. It's just we got to run the ball more. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Why? Because Aaron Jones is just dominating. He's always going to get 10 yards of carry, blah, blah, blah. Listen, the Vikings are very good at stopping the run. If we're just going to commit to running the ball all day long and we run it on first and we get one yard and now it's second and nine and we run it again and it's second and eight, or third and eight, we're not going to get very far. I'm not saying abandon it, but there needs to be some level of strategy or thought process into why are we running the ball so much? 
When do we run the ball? How do we run the ball? Why are we running the ball? Or is it just run the ball because I like Aaron Jones and he's really good? The Vikings' defense is built to stop the run. They're not very good at stopping the pass. If we're going to beat them somewhere, likely it's not going to be on the ground. Now, we can utilize it, but if if our main thing is going to be to run the ball, the Vikings are more than capable of saying, okay, that's what you want to do, we'll tee off on that. And they very well might. If they can double up Adams and our rookies can't get open and our tight ends can't do anything, why wouldn't they just stack the box and stop Aaron and, and stop uh, Aaron Jones and then tee off and try to get Rodgers constantly? I mean, legitimately, if, 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 if that's all they have to do, this could be a very long day for the Packers' offense. And what do we do? What, what is the plan here? I'll be, I'll be completely honest. If the Packers don't change their strategy against the Vikings, we're not going to win this game. If our strategy is, you know, we're just going to try to take big chunk plays, it's not going to work. Their safeties are too good. We're not going to take them deep. If we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them short and around the, the middle of the field. Their, their linebackers are not very good. Their corners are not very good. Take the safeties out of the equation by not even bothering with them. If you got Adams running deep, they're going to have Rhodes following him and Harris over the top. Adams is going to be eliminated from this game. Keep him short. Keep him to the line of scrimmage. Screens, slants, crossing routes. Let him just stick his foot in the ground and go in a certain direction. You can get him past Rhodes, but before he gets to Harris. Same with the rookies. I've been saying since forever, St. Brown and, Sca- and Scantling are too fast. Let, let them streak across the middle. Why do they have to run straight down the field all the time? Let the linebackers worry about the ball coming out of Rodgers' hands. If they're just going to creep up to the line of scrimmage, we can throw it right over their heads. We need the linebackers to just cool it. We need them going left and right. Throwing the wide receiver screens, they got to get going left and right because if we're going to have Aaron Jones running up the middle at all, we can't have the linebackers just teeing off. So if this is just run Aaron Jones 12 times up the middle and throw deep passes, we will lose this game. We're not going to win that battle. And that's what the Packers have been doing all year. Give Aaron Jones a, a dozen or so, maybe a Baker's dozen runs. Let him just try to make something happen. Otherwise, Adam Scantling, St. Brown, just go deep, man. Just go deep. It's not going to work. We don't need a galvanizing moment. We need to smarten up. Yeah, check downs to Aaron Jones would be phenomenal if we could just go ahead and get that. that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Screen passes to your running back, to your wide receiver. Just keep moving the sticks. you got to keep these guys on their heels. And listen, if they're getting frustrated because their, their safeties are staying back and we're not even throwing that far and they start creeping up, fine, take a shot deep. Especially if you've got Adams and Scantling on one side, for example, and they decide that they're going to double up Adams with Harris, that's great. Let Adams run deep down the sideline. Let Scantling run a post. What is that going to mean? He's one-on-one. He's going to go toward the middle of the field. Harris is off to the left side of the field. Throw it over the linebackers' heads, and you're good to go. As long as you got Smith biting up, I'm just saying, you, you got to manipulate them in some kind of way. I mean, that's just one example, but you have to be able to manipulate this defense. You can't just say, we're going to run the same old offense and we're going to expect guys to get better. I expect Adams to beat a double team. Come on. Look at what they're doing and adjust. Who's the one-on-one? Where are they weak? And then find a way to exploit it. Linebackers are biting up, go over their head. Linebackers are dropping back, run the ball. Or run a screen if the, if the linebackers are backing off. Run a screen and then just just beat the guy in front of you. Utilize your tight ends. Just just manipulate their defense. See what they're doing and just manipulate it. Because again, you can't just say, okay, they, they've adjusted, 
So now they're, they've found a way to cover what we're doing. And by the way, they don't even need to adjust. They know coming into this game what we're going to do because it's the same thing we've been doing all year. All we got to do is line up into a formation, and the defense knows, okay, you got like four or five plays you're going to run out of this, and we know exactly how to defend it. Because again, we're not trying to manipulate the way they do things. We're just trying to run our offense. And the defense knows at this point what our offense is going to do. So you don't even need to be an elite defense to stop the Packers. You just have to know our tendencies. And that's not too hard to figure out at this point. And if they can't figure it out in the first quarter and we drive down and get a touchdown, they're going to figure it out the second drive, the second series, the second quarter, the third quarter. They're going to figure it out. We've got to be malleable. This is a this, this defense is too good to just say, here's what we're going to do. It's working. We're going to stick with it all day. We are not going to change. You can't do that. This is what I've been saying about NFL offenses. It's unfair. NFL defenses can't stop NFL offenses. As long as the offense is, is adept enough, it's just not fair. It's why the Chiefs can run up 50 points or whatever, because they realize whatever you're doing, we can manipulate it so that you just can't cover everything at once. 11 guys just isn't enough to stop an NFL offense these days. It's just not. But that depends on having, first of all, the talent, which we do have. You've got a great running back. We've got an elite quarterback. We've got one of the top wide receivers, and we've got a couple of very athletic and promising wide receivers outside of, those, outside of Adams. We have the talent. We just need to be intelligent enough to figure out how to manipulate this defense. Oh, that's what you're doing? Here's how we beat that. Oh, you're going to do that now? Here's how we beat that. No matter what you do, there's another move that I can do to checkmate you. You can't do anything. You're bringing pressure. You're getting after Rodgers. Fine, we're going to change up. We're going to do this. To where whatever decision you make, it ends up hurting you in the end. You're going to bring your guys. We're going to go right over you. You, you, You're going to stay back. We're going to come under you. You go left, we go right. You go right, we go left. You zig, we zag. That's all there is to it. But we have to be a team that can manage that. And again, allow me to just reiterate, because I'm more than comfortable saying this. If we run the same offense we've been doing all year long with the same exact nonsense strategies, the same kind of plays, you know, we're burning timeouts because we're not getting the play. I mean, just just the same garbage we've seen all year. We're not going to win this game. I'm just... I'm just calling it. I don't even care if the Vikings don't show up. They'll be good enough to win this game. At home, I think so. The Packers just have to be different. It's not about a galvanizing moment. It's about McCarthy getting his head out of his you-know-what. It's about Rodgers making better decisions. You know, whatever. That's what it's about. The defense is beatable. The offense is stoppable. Just be smart enough to to recognize what they're doing and how to beat it. Rodgers should be able to diagnose pre-snap and post-snap what's going on and realize who the primary person to hit is. Linebackers are biting up. Here's where my here's what my read says. Everybody's moving in this direction. I want to hit Adams, but I know based on the way the offense or the defense is moving that my white my running back who's sneaking out to the right is going to be open. I know that because I can see what the defenders are doing. Rather than saying, "Yeah, but I think Devontae can probably beat these guys." Just throw it to the guy you know is open. Well, he's not looking that way. Rodgers isn't dumb. He knows he's open. He knows where the defenders are. He's staring down Adams because he wants to hit Adams on a big play. Anyways, flipping it over to defense, um, it's going to be another challenge if for no other reason than we're, we're just short. And, you know, I, I don't want to be overly pessimistic any more than I already have been. But I, you get the sense with Brian Gutekunst that he is not overly concerned with 2018. Not only has he shipped people off, but what has he done to um, help this team win this year. For example, Mike Daniels got hurt. Now, maybe I missed something, 
But I'm pretty sure after that happened, Mike McCarthy said, I expect there to be a signing within 48 hours. That was like a week ago. We haven't signed anybody. There's no help coming. There was an expectation based on the lack of bodies to just fill out an NFL roster that we would go pick somebody up. Just a body to help fill a hole. Gutekunst just said, nah, not doing it. Now, we did get Ibrahim Campbell, which is nice, to help at safety if we decide to use him there, which I don't necessarily think we will. I mean, maybe he'll get a couple couple snaps, but I tend to think that we're going to roll with the cornerbacks that we have, which is Alexander, Jackson, Breland, Brown. I mean, I think that group is solid enough to where we can keep Williams back where he's at. Because I, I just think the the boost that we get at cornerback isn't going to be nearly as, as substantial as the fall-off that we might get if if Williams um, leaves the safety spot and we put Ibrahim Campbell back there. Not to say anything negative about, about Ibrahim, I just I don't know what he can contribute, and it just seems kind of drastic, especially just looking at the, the number of bodies. I think we pretty much have three safeties, period. Which, again, it's like, well, he went out and got somebody. Well, yeah, because you have to literally have at least three. Otherwise, you just have two, and one injury means you're kind of doomed. And we don't even have three. We have a corner playing safety right now. Josh Jones is pretty much it. So we went and got Ibrahim Campbell. So, I mean, we, we traded away HaHa, and then Bryce got hurt, and then Green got hurt. We lost three. We picked up one. So again, and it's not like there's just safety just sitting out there waiting to get signed that are just dominant football players. I'm not trying to say that. But just from the standpoint of trying to get some bodies in there to help out, Gutekunst is just kind of like, eh, make do. Sorry, just do, do what you got to do. Best of luck to you. Right? He was much more aggressive in the beginning of the year trying to push in to win. Now that it doesn't look too good and the season's on the line, he's just kind of like, eh, I guess we'll just see what happens here. Again, not saying he's tanking the season, but if I were a GM and I wanted to tank the season without actually declaring it to my coach, my team, or to anybody, this is kind of how I'd go about doing it. I would send off a bunch of players that are going to be not with us next year and blame it on attitude issues or that one penalty that one time. And then when people got hurt, I would just not replace them and say there's just nobody really available. And plus, they wouldn't really be able to get up to speed on time. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how you tank a season without tanking a season. You just let it fall apart and go, well, my hands are tied here. Nothing I can do. That stinks. So I really feel like we would have had it there. But uh, everybody's hurt. So what can you do? But anyways, um, I, I do tend to have a little more faith in our defense than I do in our offense. And it's not... It's not because our offense can't do it. It's just that their defense is kind of set up to be able to take away what we do. I mean, really, it's just it's Devontae Adams and it's Aaron Jones, and that's pretty much it. And Marquez hasn't had a good game in, like, what, three, four weeks? And he only had, like, two of them. I know he's a big deep, big deal for, like, two weeks, but he hasn't done anything since. Equinemius hasn't done anything all year. So it's really just a matter of a very good run defense stopping one of our weapons, and then double-teaming our other weapon, and now we just don't have much that we can do. The defense, on the other hand, um, as I mentioned, is somewhat more in our favor, a little bit anyways. I know that uh, Mike Pettin had mentioned sometimes in certain situations you want to use your number one on their number one. Other situations you may want to double their number one and then go out and see if you can um, put your your top corner which would be Alexander on their number two and I was trying to figure out what would be the best situation in this case which means do we want to double up Thielen and put Alexander on Diggs which I think is doable and the reason that it's doable against the Vikings especially is because the only way in which you'd want to do that similar to the Packers situation is if they don't have a good number three 
Right, they don't really have any other good weapons. Rudolph hasn't done anything this year. Treadwell is garbage. They don't have a run game. So you can use three of your guys to stop two because they just don't really have any other weapons that you have to worry about. If they had a good solid number three, you're putting yourself in a tough spot. You know, you're, you're voiding one of your safeties and you're, you're, you're making yourself a little more vulnerable. In this case, however, having only two weapons, again, they only have two as well. They got Thielen, they got Diggs, and that's it. We've got Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and that's it. So we could probably match them and say, okay, fine. You double up Devontae, we'll double up double up Thielen. You're going to bottle up our running back, we're going to bottle up Diggs with Alexander. Now, maybe that's the case and maybe that's not. And the, the part that gets a little bit complicated, I guess, in two wide, how that would look is you'd have Alexander on Stephon Diggs. You would have, uh, let's say, Jackson on Thielen with uh, Tremont Williams helping over the top, which would be pretty solid considering he's it's basically two cornerbacks on on uh, Thielen. The only thing that gets a little bit tricky in my mind would be the fact that Thielen is a slot receiver, and it gets a little difficult to figure out exactly how you double him up because he's going to be working the middle of the field. Are we using a linebacker? And then are we not going to put Alexander in the slot? Are we going to use... Because I just I just don't like Josh Jackson in the slot, and I don't really like Breeland in the slot. Alexander is a good corner, and he's even better in the slot. So it gets difficult for me to say we're not going to put Alexander on Thielen, but then, then you have a bigger problem of leaving Diggs with Jackson or Diggs with Breeland, and I think Diggs just destroys them because Diggs is just better than any other anybody we have except Alexander. So I do think the best thing to probably do is double up Thielen, put Alexander on Diggs, and really it's a, it's a pretty good matchup. It's not like Alexander is just going to dominate Diggs. Diggs and Alexander, I mean, they basically have the exact same grade. Alexander's graded at 79.7, Diggs is 80.8. So they're both very, very good. So, I mean, that, and, and it's not like, you know, unlike our offense, I think our defense is much more malleable and they, they're you know, Petten is much better at adjusting things. That's kind of where I would start. I would start by trying to, to bottle up Thielen, you know, get your hands on him, uh, get some help over the top, whether it be from your linebacker, from your safety, whoever, to make sure that Thielen's doubled up. And then you just have Jackson or Breland or whoever covering Treadwell in three wide. You'd have uh, Jones in, well, see, I, I don't even know. Can you can you do Jones in the dime? I guess you'd have to have Williams and Ibrahim Campbell at safety, which, again, Ibrahim is going to have to get some snaps. But when you use that sort of uh, dime linebacker situation, maybe you'd use Jones on Rudolph. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. I, I would say that they have a little bit of a better shot. Also because despite their lack of ability against the run or running the football, we're a really bad running defense. Man, I'm having a hard time speaking. A really bad run defense minus Mike Daniels makes us even worse. Kyler Fackrell is terrible against the run. Matthews has been terrible against the run. Martinez hasn't even been good against the run. It's pretty much just Kenny Clark. So, I mean, it's, listen, I don't know, man. You know, I, again, I, I don't want to be negative, but things just, overall, things are tough. I mean, even if things click, what, what exactly can click? I mean, what, what, are we, what is our expectation? Who's not playing good enough that can play better? Aaron Jones is playing phenomenally. Aaron Rodgers, despite maybe a couple lapses in decision-making, is playing pretty good football. I mean, his passes are pretty crisp. They're pretty on point. Some of them are underthrown. I get that. Not great. But he, you know, last week, he didn't really have a lot of that. He looked solid. Devontae Adams is playing out of his mind. Otherwise, the only people that can step up are rookies, and there's no reason to believe there's going to be a quote-unquote galvanizing moment that's going to magically make them better wide receivers. They just are what they are right now, and they'll get better over time, but it is what it is. Our defense, 
they're playing way beyond what we could ever expect. And again, I give all the credit to Mike Pettin, but now we're dealing with, you know, we lost HaHa, and I know everybody's still, all Twitter is is laughing at HaHa, which I don't want to go down that road again, but if, you're, if your big thing is he takes bad, listen, he's really bad at cleaning up other people's messes. He's terrible at that. When your job is to cover him and you can't because you're trash and somebody catches a ball and then you can't tackle him because he's so far ahead of you, yeah, I don't expect HaHa to be able to take a good angle and tackle you. However, as a coverage safety, the guy's pretty good. Every single clip making fun of HaHa Clinton Dix is his ability to take an angle and tackle somebody, whether it's a running back or somebody else's responsibility, fine, whatever. The problem is, though, now we don't really have a coverage safety. Tremont has not been very good covering the back part of the field. Raven Green, I don't believe, is playing. Kentrell Bryce is not playing. So the deep part of the field is a liability. It just, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, at our best right now, what are we, and how much better do we get at our best? I mean, everybody's exceeding expectations. Fackrell is exceeding expectations. Alexander is exceeding expectations. The defense as a whole, with all the sacks that they get, is exceeding expectations. I don't know how any of this is even possible. What do we have? Breland isn't very good. Jackson isn't very good. Josh Jones isn't very good. Tremont Williams as a safety isn't very good. Martinez isn't very good against the run this year. Ibrahim Campbell, I don't even know who that is. Mike Daniels is gone. Fackrell can't stop the run. Matthews can't do anything. Perry's gone. I just, I don't know. I didn't intend it to be this way, but the more I look at it, it's like, what what do we expect? Okay, we beat the Vikings, and then we beat all the easy teams, and then maybe we beat the Bears, maybe we lose to the Bears. What can this team do right now? It's, it's just, it's going to be tough. I mean, you're, you're asking them to do a lot. You're asking them to do a lot with a little. And it's, it's part of the reason I said we need to invest in our offense. We just don't have enough weapons. We have a good run game, but I mean, it, if, if all you have is a running back and one wide receiver, again, defenses can double up your wide receiver and then tee off against your running back, and it's up to these rookies who haven't been good in two, three weeks, which is just really one guy hasn't been good in all that time. And who knows, maybe if, if Kumaro can step up, maybe there's something more to be said, because you get that number two, it, it really makes things a little bit more complicated. And I'm not saying he's necessarily going to or not going to. I don't know. You know, he he was essentially Reggie Gilbert on the offense. Reggie Gilbert was unstoppable in the preseason. Kumaro was unstoppable in the preseason. But, you know, the the other thing about Kumaro is you always wanted to count him out. It was similar to what happened with Fackrell. Like, you do something awesome, and it's just, you just kind of laugh about it. Like, ah, there's another guy who's kind of good. And then he does it again. And then he does it again and again and again and again and again. It was literally every single practice. It got to the point where I was doing this podcast, and it was like, he did it again. He, he just, he did it again. It's every day in practice, he did something. Every day in preseason, he did something. Every single time, he did it. So as much as the whole Jay Kumaro cal- galvanizing moment thing seems dumb, it might have to be. That might have to be the thing. And it's not even so much a galvanizing moment like he came back and everybody's like, yeah, let's go win. It's just, a, it's more of a schematic thing. It, it's a matter of we need another weapon. And if Marquez can be that guy, if he can step up, we could be okay. If EQ can step up and have a big game, we might be okay. If Kumaro can step up and have a big game, we might be okay. But we need somebody else. So, I mean, it it could legitimately end up where we win the game. Kumaro has, you know, a touchdown and 100 yards on five receptions or what, you know, whatever. In other words, he stands out in the game that we happen to win. And we end up saying he is our galvanizing moment. And it could turn out to be that way. 
Again, not because of some magical thing. All the fans want to believe in some magical thing, right? Aaron Rodgers says something and it speaks something magical. No, he's just telling you he saw something that already happened. It wasn't magical words. Same with Kumaro. It won't be a magical moment where everybody's excited because some Division Three guy that nobody knows or really cares about came back. It'll just be because schematically we have a really good wide receiver who came in and played well, and now the Vikings have a hard time trying to figure out what exactly do we do. We can't just keep doubling up Adams because we now we got to worry about this other guy. And on top of that, it's going to take pressure off of Marquez as well because now Marquez isn't number two, he's number three, or you know, vice versa, whatever. But that's all contingent on... Co- so, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but yeah, he could be the key to the game, in my opinion. Just looking at all of this, because, again, it's just about we don't have enough weapons. And we need somebody. It, it can be Equinemius, it can be Marquez, it can be Kumaro. It just has to be somebody. One of these guys has to step up. Because commit to the run is not the greatest strategy against one of the best run defenses in the NFL. It's just not. Beat him on the ground is kind of silly in this game. If you can do it, all the better. Right? If you can if if you can beat their best with them trying to do their what they do best, that's that's awesome. But I'm not going to go into this game with that being my game plan. I'm also just just like I'm not going to go into this game with the game plan of let's just try to get Devontae to beat double teams all day long. Probably not the best strategy. You need the other guys to step up. So th- things need to click. Aaron Rodgers needs to make better decisions. Mike McCarthy needs to call better plays. The rookies need to step up. Kumro needs to step up. I mean, if these things happen, we could not only win the game, we could dominate this game. Because they don't have enough people to cover too many things. right? If everybody can step up and if, if, if McCarthy can put people in positions to do what they do best to highlight their, their talents and their abilities while at the same time negating what the defense does well, again... Going deep is going to be tough when they have safeties. If you can use their athleticism close to the line of scrimmage and do all these kinds of things and occasionally take a deep shot at the right times, I mean, the, the, the offense can absolutely dominate. And yeah, we can talk about a galvanizing moment. What I'm essentially pointing to is that the offense needs to be different if we're going to win the game, right? It, it's sort of self-explanatory, but going into this game, if the offense isn't different, if we're doing the same things, and if people are, are the same level of talent that they were last week, we will not win this game. And then beyond that, it's really just about the defense doing what it's done all year, exceeding expectations. R- regardless of your opinion of it, they, they've done better than they should have. The talent really isn't there. You know, the, the, Kenny Clark is playing out of his mind. He's awesome. But you've got Mike Daniels regressing. Our, our, we, we have never had edge rushers this bad, I don't think, as, as far as I can ever remember. Ever. Again, last year, the, the pass rush wasn't great, especially off the edge, but at least in run defense, they were phenomenal. Clay and Perry were phenomenal. They are some of the worst edge rushers in the NFL right now. Jair is a, a, a great addition, but that doesn't mean we have elite corners right now. We Our, our coverage unit as a whole is doing great, which again, I give to Mike Pettin, because Josh Jackson is mediocre, because Breland is mediocre, because Kevin King is, is, is good at times, but he definitely is limited in his abilities, because our safeties are beyond limited. Even HaHa, as much as I, and, and again, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm glad he's gone. I had my issues with HaHa. The only reason I defend him is because I get sick of everybody trashing him. I think it's just a little unfair, and I want to reel it in a little bit. I want to join in the fun to make fun of HaHa, too. I just can't, because it's too ridiculous right now. But we just, we have not had a very good defense, and they have exceeded expectations. And and essentially, if we're going to do anything this year, it's going to be based on our defense continuing to exceed expectations because I just don't think the talent is really there. 
you know, obviously a, a, a similar to our offense, we could have a galvanizing moment on defense where people step up. If, if, if um, Josh Jones can continue to improve, that would be a massive, a massive thing considering the help we need on defense and his potential athleticism and all that stuff. Oren Burks, if he could find a way to kind of like, if something just clicks, Josh Jackson or um, Breland, if, if either of these two guys can just have something kind of click, that would be a massive help to this defense. Um, you know, Fackrell's got to continue to do what he's doing, maybe kind of improve against the run. The, the guys along the defensive line that have stepped up, Lancaster and Lowry, right? Continue to do what you've been doing. Continue to improve. Reggie Gilbert, who is like our second best edge rusher, who's not very good, if he can even come halfway between what he is and what he was in preseason, it's going to be a massive improvement. But, I mean, it's just, it's just a, a really tough road, and we're talking about people just starting today being better than they've been all year. We need several people, including our coaching staff, to just today be better and just be better the rest of the year. And that's just to get us in the playoffs. I'm not sure how we take the next step to beat the Saints or the Rams or whoever. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but today's bigger than just we just need to, to beat the Vikings. No, I don't want to just beat the Vikings. I want to beat the Vikings because we're a different football team. If we're the same garbage football team and we beat the Vikings because the Vikings just wet the bed... I'm just not interested in that. I'm just not. Because that's just one more win and, and, and a worse draft position for a team that's not going to beat the Bears, that's not going to beat probably the Cowboys, that's probably not going to be able to beat the Rams or the Seahawks or the, the Saints or the Chiefs or the Patriots or the Steelers. I mean, they, they're just win because you're better. That's what I want to see today for four quarters. Obviously, yeah, occasionally on the first drive, they, they look great. Last week, the offense just looked phenomenal right out of the gate, and then they just went back to the same old garbage, and it didn't work, and it just fell apart. Win because you're great. And the talent is there, but whatever. I don't, I don't want to talk in circles. You get what I'm saying. It, it's, it's a huge ask of our team because I just don't think it's there right now. I don't think the cohesion is there. I don't think the play calling is there. I don't think the the attitude is there. You know, again, where's Mike Daniels? Where, where is that, that energy on defense? It's just not there. And we're, we're shipping players off, and we've got a ton of injuries. And, they're, they're, you know, Kumaro's coming back, but it's his first week. And the rookies just aren't getting it. And, and some of the corners just aren't really getting it. And we just we don't have safeties anymore. It, it is a, a huge... I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, galvanizing moment to say the least. There needs to be just this sort of a revival of deistic proportions. And we'll find out tomorrow, I guess. And I didn't mean for this to be negativity Saturday, but I'm just I'm just calling it like I see it at this point. I mean, just things are just... Not only are there the issues that we've already seen, but we've got less players. We've got injuries on top of that, of, of the guys who've been shipped off. I, I don't really hear anything... You know, in terms of, you know, Aaron Rodgers with his galvanizing moment sort of speech in terms of, I think we've got it figured out. I, I think we've we've identified some of these problems. I mean, he, he's, he's taken responsibility, but it's not the first time he's done that. He's taken responsibility for things all year. I mean, occasionally he throws McCarthy or one of the wide receivers under the bus or all the wide receivers, but he's also taken responsibility for his issues. We'll see what happens Sunday. I'm not counting them out, but it's just, it's a matter of, it's going to take a lot 
to get over the hump, to be the team they need to be, to be a potential Super Bowl contender, and not just a team that's hoping everybody we play just falls apart, right? We're not looking, you know, again, speaking biblically, for God to part the sea for us, right? Let's see if we can cross the river as opposed to expecting the sea to be parted for us. We don't just want everybody to crumble. Let's hope that the Seahawks crumble. Let's hope the Rams have a bad day. Let's hope the Patriots have a bad day. Let's hope the Vikings have a bad day. Maybe if the Bears have a bad day, maybe, 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 we can just fumble our way into the Super Bowl. Because if that's not what we're hoping for, we're hoping for this team to be something that it's not even close to and hasn't been all year. And we're expecting it to happen on a, on a dime. As things continue to sort of get worse, right? The rookies are, are less good than they were, rookie wide receivers. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just the way I see it right now. I, I, I don't have anything to go off of to say I, I feel like this is going to be the moment. There's nothing to go off of. Things are trending in the wrong direction. The injuries are going in the wrong direction. The, the GM and his attitude toward building this roster is going in the opposite direction. Everything is going away from 2018, focusing on 2019. Everything is going that direction. So, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. If, if the wide receivers can step up and have a big game, we can win, and we can win based on our own talent, not because the Vikings fall apart. And that's going to be my biggest key to this game is... Equinemius, Marquez, Kumaro, if, if either or or several of those guys can step up, we got a chance, not just against the Vikings, but moving forward. Because really, Rodgers is the key to this offense, and the defense, even with the injuries, is not going to be any worse than we've had the last several years anyways. If we can just get Rodgers clicking on all cylinders, if we can get McCarthy to smarten up a little bit, and we've got a better run game than we've had in a long time, and we've got talented wide receivers, maybe. But it has to happen, and it has to happen tomorrow. That's all there is to it. Last chance. Make it happen. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Hope you folks enjoy your Saturday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll do our uh, picks, and maybe that'll be it. I'm not really sure if I have anything else to say. We'll see. It might be necessary, considering how negative I was today, to have a Positivity Sunday tomorrow. We'll see. But anyways, enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.